0: It's great to be with you Purpose Church, so good uh, to be back together again. I'm back inside the worship center because uh, this is what's going on outside. And the noise as they repave our central and north uh, parking lots, the noise makes it impossible uh, to do the sermon outdoors. I want you to know, I just felt like a little boy all this week looking out my office window at all this cool equipment. Uh, This big yellow machine right here, this is the absolute latest in asphalt technology. I've been wanting to say that for the last few days. The absolute latest in asphalt asphalt technology, and it costs uh, $400,000. I, I just have been wishing that my grandson, Jem, from Seattle was here all week because he would absolutely love uh, all of this. I've been sending him pictures, uh, taking pictures from my office window and sending him pictures the last couple of days. And again, just like I said last week, It is your faithful giving that has made this possible uh, along with thousands and thousands of people joining us online all week, including over 3,000 people just with our Arabic uh, service alone. Uh, And many, many of those are all across the Middle East. And then as Pastor Tomiko was talking about earlier, hundreds of people fed here locally uh, this past week. So God is using you powerfully during the quarantine. And I am so grateful uh, to you and uh, just want to praise God for what he is doing in and through you. Now let's do our weekly quarantine memes. And I only have five this week. Uh, Number one on my list is the official mascot of 2020. He washes his hands incessantly, always wears a mask. If you rearrange the letters in the word raccoon, it spells raccoon. Corona, how cool is that? Uh, number two, here's, I bet you have this problem. I do whenever I wear glasses. Uh, you inhale, but then when you exhale, uh, how many of you raise your hands right there in your living rooms, wherever you are, if you have problems uh, like this when you wear uh, glasses? Number three on the list, everything is canceled for the summer. May as well just put up the Christmas tree and call it a day. And then number four, I I—I—I I love number four. Lockdown has affected everything. Every one of us, (laughs) Jennifer Aniston. (laughs) I think it's affected Jennifer more than the rest of us. And then here's my favorite one, uh, number five. So in retrospect, not a single person got the answer to this question right in 2015. Where do you see yourselves five years from now? Who could have foreseen what we are going through right now? Now just a reminder to be sure to take our regathering survey, uh, just go to PurposeChurch.com slash survey. Uh, we want as many of you as possible from our church, uh, Purpose Church family uh, as possible to give us input as we consider when we go back to live services. And if you didn't get a chance to hear my thoughts about this uh, this last Sunday, there's a 15-minute excerpt available on our website at PurposeChurch.com slash COVID-19. And so last week I shared for about 15 minutes my thoughts on um, what we should do and, and the parameters of when we should come back to Life Services. But now we've got about 15 questions that we want to ask you. So you, the, last week I spoke on it. This week we want all of you uh, to speak on it as well and to give us input uh, because we are a family And we need this to be a dialogue, and we need your input as we decide when to come back to live services. We'll continue, obviously, to do online and watch uh, services, uh, watch parties, but then that third element uh, for those that want to come back in person, we need to figure out when we should be starting to do that as well. So please uh, give us our input because we're a family, and families talk about things uh, together. And speaking of being a family, Kimberly and I are going to be on Instagram Live again This Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, and we would just love to have you join us. Okay, the title of today's message is Generations. And this being Memorial Day weekend, where tomorrow on Monday, we're going to be remembering the sacrifices of those in the past in our country, the sacrifices they made for the freedoms we have in the present. But now today on Memorial Day Sunday, tomorrow's Memorial Day Monday, actual Memorial Day. But now on Memorial Day Sunday, what I want us to do is to remember the spiritual sacrifices made by those in the past for the spiritual freedoms that we have in the present. Uh, Our church started uh, 150 years ago this month, uh, May 14th, 1870. And as I've said before, we have found only 10 other churches in American history and there may only be about that number in all of world history that have had the 150-year run of faithfulness at this level of fruitfulness that our church has. It really is quite unique when you add in another couple of factors. Our church might literally be the only one of its kind in all the world history of the last 2,000 years of Christ's followers. Uh, The way that I like to describe our church is a quote by Matt LaFleur, the coach of the Packers. He said this about a fellow coach, Pete Carroll, who's the coach of the Seahawks and used to be the coach of the USC Trojans. He said he's been doing this at a high level for a very long time. Boy, I love that. He's been doing this at a high level for a very long time. What a compliment that is. And that's the compliment I would like to give to you of Purpose Church. You have been doing this at a high level for a very long time. Close to being utterly unique in in, uh, the world history. And especially in American history. So we want to remember what past generations have done uh, in the past for us and be inspired to do the same ourselves uh, for future generations. Number one, they laid the foundation for what followed. They laid the foundation for what followed. Deuteronomy 34, And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyes were not weak and his strength was not gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom Because Moses had laid hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Uh, Let me me ask you a question. Who was your Moses? Who is the person that had such a spiritual impact on you in the past that you are walking with the Lord the way you are today? Uh, who, Who was your Moses? And on this spiritual Memorial Day, Sunday before Memorial Day, think, who is that person that that you need to be thankful for. Who was your Moses? Uh, I can think of many in my life. Uh, Of course, my parents, uh, Kennedy Smart, I've talked about him. He was the pastor uh, when I was growing up uh, in Virginia. Uh, David Midwood was the pastor who mentored me. But then there are some, and I bet this is true for you as well. As you look back on your past, there are some who were in your life, not for a long period of time, but for a relatively short amount of time, but they had a tremendous impact on on your life. They made an enormous impression. Uh, Such was Dr. Samuel B. Hogan. Uh, He was a Pentecostal inner-city Boston pastor who was also on the faculty of Harvard Divinity School and also at my seminary, Gordon-Conwell Seminary. And so I took a preaching class from him that absolutely uh, changed my life. Uh, The way we would do it in class at that time is you'd preach a sermon, and then you'd have a meeting with your professor, and he would critique your sermon. And I remember we were booked for a half an hour, an hour, I can't remember how long, and he comes in, and he says just a couple little kind of tiny things about my sermon uh, to critique it, and then for the rest of the time, he does this. He finishes with just a few little critiques, then he stands up, I'm seated, he stands up, Um, puts his hands on my shoulder and just spends the remainder of the half hour of the hour praying and anointing over me. And I had never been prayed for like this. Okay, I grew up Presbyterian. And the only thing Presbyterian and Pentecostal have in common with each other is they both start with P. P. And I never had somebody pray over me uh, the way that he uh, prayed over me. And he prayed, I literally, it was 40 years ago, but I remember phrases he said in a prayer over me four decades later, 40 years later. and And it literally just changed my life. I felt an anointing come over me because of the prayers of this godly man. And so who is it in your past as you think back as to that they were, they were somebody that was a Moses in your life in the same way that Moses uh, had a, a Joshua. And then they pioneered new territory. Number two, they pioneered new territory. Uh, Joshua chapter 1 verse, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Son of Nun, uh, Moses' aid, Moses my servant is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Those that have gone ahead of us have pioneered a new, fresh, spiritual territory. Let me ask you a question. Who was the first person in your family that committed their lives to Christ, that began to follow Jesus? And they blazed the trail. It was easier for you to follow Jesus because that first person in in your family followed Jesus. Or maybe you were the first person to ever follow Jesus. And all those that come behind you, you've started a new legacy in in your generation for your family. And you've made it easier for those that come behind you to follow Jesus because you have taken that stand. Uh, My grandfather on my mother's side was a recent immigrant in the late 1800s uh, from Ireland to the United States. And he was an alcoholic, boxer. He was a boxer who fought uh, for a living or for, for uh, in his life. And he was an alcoholic. And he radically came to Christ. Jesus completely changed his life. And he started a new legacy in our family two generations ago. Uh, He eventually became the president of the Gideons. They're the ones that put Bibles into hotel rooms. And he became the president of the Gideons for the whole state of Missouri. Uh, My grandfather uh, changed the direction of our family. He pioneered new spiritual territory. It was easier for those that followed to commit their lives to Christ because he had taken a stand uh, to follow Christ. Uh, Three weeks ago, I talked about the Kenyan runner who recently, a few months ago, uh, broke the two-hour barrier in the marathon. Well, prior to 1954, no one thought it was physiologically possible for a person to run a mile under four minutes. As a matter of fact, scientists said it is scientifically, physiologically impossible for a human being to run a mile in less than than four minutes. And, And until a guy came along by the name of Roger Bannister, A British doctor named Roger Bannister uh, ran under four minutes in the mile on May 6, 1954. Something that had never been done before. But after he did it, everybody started doing it. Do you know that his record only lasted for 46 days? And everybody, once he did it for the first time, everybody started doing it. As a matter of fact, Steve Scott who was a great American miler, and he was an assistant cross-country coach at Azusa Pacific uh, for several years. Just Steve Scott was born in Upland, coach at APU. He ran, just himself ran, 154 sub-four-minute miles in his career. And it's because once somebody does something, it makes it easier for those that come after them to do something. Once somebody does something for the first time, it makes it easier for everybody after them to do that thing. And I believe that you are in the process of doing this during this pandemic. I believe that you are pioneering new territory. You, this generation, this is our moment during this pandemic. And God is using you as an individual follower of Christ and us as a church and globally the body of Christ. I believe that you as a church are pioneering new ways to reach people for Christ that are going to be powerfully used in in the years ahead. God is doing something. He's reorganizing things. He's, He's doing a paradigm shift, and you are part of it. You're the ones figuring out how to meet online, Uh, virtually, and have groups, life groups online. You're the ones that are figuring out how to reach out to your neighbors, and to share Christ, and and to encourage them to watch this on Sunday morning, or other times throughout the week. And people are coming to Christ. I believe that globally, in the years ahead, more and more people are going to come to Christ online, around the world, than ever before. And you, this generation, seize the moment You, Purpose Church, you, Global Body of Christ, are are going where no one has gone before. Uh, Since the pandemic began, uh, people from 90 different countries have connected with our church in some way. Just think about that. What, What could God have done three months ago if you had said, God's gonna do something where our church is gonna reach people in 90 different countries? How is that gonna happen? And yet, you have seized the moment during the pandemic to, to support and to see uh, financially and through service and through reaching out to your friends, God is using you to make that happen. This is our moment. Uh, Randy Beckendam, we call him Farmer Randy. He's farmer at Amy's Farm. He, he sent this to me uh, the other day. It's a tremendous quote by Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard says, God periodically moves upon his people and in their surrounding culture to achieve his everlasting purposes for that tiny stretch of cosmic time we call human history. This usually happens in ways that no one but he could have planned or foreseen and in ways that lie far beyond our control or comprehension. We discover usually after the fact that a pervasive and powerful shift has occurred. It may happen to the individual, to the group, or to the entire culture. Old ways of doing things cease to be effective, though they may have been very powerful in the past. There arises a very real danger that we will set ourselves in opposition to what God truly is doing now and aims to do in the future. Often we miss the opportunity to act with God in the now. We fail to find quickly enough new wineskins for the new wine. And then number three, they planted the seeds for what followed. And we are doing the same for future generations as well. Paul writes, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has been been making it grow. Um, Remember around Easter when I said that inviting people to watch our Easter service online, that that was going to be the easiest invitation that you could ever make. Remember when I said that to you? I lied. I'm confessing it right here in church. I lied. I I've got an even easy, even easier way for you to invite your neighbors to join us online and and to be connected with 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 Jesus. Um, we've got our uh, Purpose Church lawn signs, and if you go to PurposeChurch.com/lawn signs, you get a hold of this sign that says "Everyone, everywhere, join us online every Sunday." Purpose Church. Dot com, And all you got to do, if you if you just register there online, uh, PurposeChurch.com slash lawn sign, uh, somebody will come by with a free lawn sign. No charge, free to you. Somebody will deliver this to your home. If you just register there online, uh, they'll come by and, and, and give this to you so you can put it in your yard and everybody's walking. I don't know about your neighborhood, but everybody's walking all over our neighborhood, running all over our neighborhood. And your neighbors are going to walk by this sign. And it's that easy to invite them to connect with us and possibly through that vehicle to connect with Jesus. It has never been easier uh, to invite one of our friends uh, to connect with Jesus. And I encourage you to plant that seed. And sometimes you don't see the results of it for a period of time uh, when when that seed is planted. But eventually, if you're faithful, you will see the harvest come. Uh, for many years, I've talked about the Chinese bamboo tree and where you take the, the Chinese farmer uh, plants it and they water and they fertilize it for five years. First year, water, fertilize it, nothing happens. Second year, nothing happens. Third year, nothing happens. Fourth year, nothing happens. Finally, in the fifth year, all of a sudden, after five years of nothing happening, boom, it grows 80 feet in six weeks. A- a- 80 feet. In six weeks. And that's the way seeds are. You often don't see them. Sometimes we're in heaven before that, that fruit comes about from that, that harvest of those seeds that we've, that we've planted. Galatians 6 verse 9, Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good. Purpose Church, don't become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Our church started in 1870. And because our church was an American Baptist church, I am just sure, I'm just close to being positive that we must have supported the work of Adniram Judson because he was uh, the American Baptist missionary that really, uh, our, our tradition started as a result of his missions work that started in the mid-1800s in the country of Burma. And he began to sow seeds. And our church back in 1870 began to do spiritual and financial investment in the nation of Burma. And I've been reading my dad's diary this week um, because uh, it's Memorial Day weekend. And this is his diary from World War II, his time in World War II. He was stationed in Burma uh, for the duration of World War II. And he wrote his diary. And it's just fascinating reading. But my dad encountered the result of the spiritual investment of our church and the work of Adoniram Judson and the American Baptist during the 1800s and into the 1900s, my dad encountered the the harvest from those seeds that were planted. He writes, A group of us went to the uh, native village near the number two sawmill in the evening. I was surprised to find the native Kachins People and many GIs gathered on the green around a fire and singing hymns. I was able to identify every one of the hymns. They had song books, and the family and the familiar Christian hymns had been translated into the Kachin language by a Baptist missionary. The English titles were also listed, so I picked out several that I knew from memory and sang them while they joined in their language. It was a thrill for me. A nice young girl whose name was Lucy sang a Hawaiian love song in English. Even the little children knew the hymns from memory and sang them lustily. Everyone was very cheerful. Several mothers were there with small babies on their backs. They stood with their backs to the fire so the baby would be warm. The Kachin seemed to enjoy the soldiers and we enjoyed them very much. This was New Year's Eve and they were going to sing in the next year, the new year. We left about 9.30 p.m. It was a beautiful, full, moonlit night, and I will long remember the pleasant sound of their singing, Jesus, lover of my soul, and what can wash away my sins as we left them around the fire. Spiritual seed sown, eventually, years later, bringing that kind of harvest. And the same thing is true for us as well. We are planting seeds now that will bear fruit and will bear a harvest in the generations to come after us. And then number four, they serve as a warning. And now we're going to go in a little bit different direction. Um, I read something the other day. uh, Rusty Spear um, emails me sometimes from our church family, and uh, he has this saying underneath his name on his email it goes like this. Generally, it is your choice. Will your life serve as an example or as a warning? It's my choice. It's your choice. Will your life serve as an example? Do that. Or as a warning, don't do that. And the Bible is just an amazingly honest book and in contrast to other works of antiquity which always sugarcoat their heroes they portray their heroes as having no flaws being perfect never being defeated always walking in victory the Bible is a brutally honest book for two reasons I think number one so that we won't wouldn't worship the people of the Bible but it said we'd worship the God of the Bible but secondly God included these stories in scripture to serve as warnings to us and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. And then number five, they shared what they knew with the next generation. They shared what they knew with the next generation and we need to do the same with the generations that follow us. Uh, Paul wrote to the young man he was mentoring named Timothy, he said, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard from me. Paul was the first generation of Christ followers. Timothy was the second generation of Christ followers. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people. There's the third generation of Christ followers who will also be qualified to teach others. There's the fourth generation. Uh, The gospel of Christ is like a relay race from generation to generation. Um, I always say such and such is my favorite video, but this is my new favorite video uh, featuring our granddaughter, Avonlea. Let's watch this. What's your memory verse this week? (laughs) Nothing at all can ever separate us from God's love. Yay! Good job! Do you guys want to rewatch that 20 times? Be, be, because I have. I'm sure you want to do that as well. So, so here, uh, Kimberly and my grandparents, we share Christ. Um, they share Christ with our parents. Our grandparents share Christ with our parents, who then share Christ with us. And we have shared it with our children, who are now teaching it to our grandchildren generation to generation to generation. And you know, our church has always taken the long view. Uh, that's why we have thrived for 150 years. Um, Kimberly and I, I, I pastored, we pastored for 12 years in upstate New York, and Kimberly was born and raised in that area. And the main Native American tribe of that area and that region is the Iroquois tribe. And there's this ancient Iroquois maxim that goes like this. In our every deliberation, we must consider the impact of our decisions on the next seven generations. In our every deliberation, we must consider the impact of our decisions on the next seven generations. Here's the question that I always ask myself. Do I want to build a church that I will love for the next 20 years? Or do I want to build a church that my grandchildren will love for the next 80 years? Do I want to build a church that I will love for the next 20 years? Or do I want to build a church that my grandchildren will love and their generation will love for the next uh, 80 years? And then number six, they serve as an example. Uh, Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then number seven, they inspire. Uh, Hebrews 12, verse 1, "...therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that is now marked out for us." Uh, Ignatius of Antioch, uh, he was born two years after the resurrection of Jesus. And he came to Christ as an adult and then became pastor of the church at Antioch in in the nation of Syria. He was condemned to death because of preaching about Jesus. And so they made him travel with soldiers all the way from Syria to Rome, where eventually he was executed by being thrown to the wild beasts in the arena in 107 AD. And as he traveled from Syria to Rome he wrote a series of letters to churches that were on or near the route that he took from Antioch uh, to Rome in Italy, Antioch in Syria to Rome in Italy. And here's an excerpt uh, from from one of those letters. Here's what he wrote as he went uh, on the trip that would end with his execution. All the way from Syria to Rome, I have been chained to a detachment of soldiers who have behaved like animals towards me. Quite honestly, they're like a pack of leopards enjoying their role as hunters with me as their prey. Well, that has some advantages. I may as well get used to leopards now. It will be leopards and real ones at that when I get to Rome. So I can make some progress towards preparing myself spiritually and mentally for what lies ahead. All I pray is that when the moment comes, the lions will be quick about it. Some Christians have suffered torments because the animals have toyed with them. If my lions are like that, I shall antagonize them. Forgive me for writing like this, but I do know what is best for me. No power, human or spiritual, must hinder my coming to Jesus Christ. So whether the way be fire, or crucifixion, or wild beasts in the arena, or the mangling of my whole body, I can bear it, provided I am assured it is the way to him. And it is. All the riches and power in the world cannot compare with that. So as far as I am concerned, to die in Christ Jesus is better than to be king of the whole wide world. Do not try to tempt me to stay here by offering me the world and its attractions. Just let me make my way upward to that pure and undiluted light. For only when I get there will I truly be a man. And so he died and he handed as he died the relay baton of the gospel of Jesus to the next generation. And he took his place in the grandstands of heaven to cheer on the next generations. And so the gospel of Christ continued to go from generation to generation to generation. If you're a builder or a World War II or a builder generation, you're the 58th generation from Christ Of Christ's followers. If you're a baby boomer like me, you're the 59th generation of Christ's followers. If you're Gen X, you're the 60th uh, generation of Christ's followers. If you're a millennial, uh, you are the 61st generation of followers of Christ. If you're Gen Z, you are the 62nd generation of followers of Jesus Christ. And so for all five generations builders, boomers, Gen X, Millennials, Gen Z that make up Purpose Church. For all of us at Purpose Church, the Relay Baton is now in our hands. This is our moment. We seize it, even though it may be difficult during the pandemic. We take the baton of the gospel of Christ with all the heroes of the faith that have gone before us in our church and and the body of Christ globally around the world. And we take the baton and we say together, it's our time. It's our time now.
1: It's our time. We must rise up and no longer disparage. It's our time, church, to honor our heritage. We have a Savior. He gave it all on the cross. We stand beside martyrs who counted nothing as loss. They took God's mysteries, opened them up for us. Stephen, John the Baptist, Bonhoeffer, Jan Hus. Surrounded by a cloud of witnesses above, it's now our turn to model his unending love. Our mission is one we cannot confuse nor muddy up with some trite excuse. You say you're not well-versed, ready, or able. I think Moses even tried to use that fable. The time we have, it's now more urgent. If we should hear, well done, faithful servant. Yeah, church, it's our time. It's our time to confess the ways we're mangled, the sins and selfishness that have us entangled. Lust, greed, and pride, their path leads to the grave. Yet we return to our sins as if we're a slave. Can we survive in this putrid, dead sea? I quote Paul. May it never be. So let's cast aside our individual leprosy and begin to leave a biblical legacy. There's a glorious prize awaiting to be won, and the way to win is to start to run. Let's lace them up and fight the good fight, become to the world both salt and light. Our life on earth is merely a vapor, Our chapter must move from pen to paper. So church, let's get to writing because it's our time. It's our time, church. We have what it takes to help the world from its slumber awake. To Jesus, we are his beautiful bride. Whom shall we fear with him on our side? We have each other. We are not alone. It's iron to iron in the combat zone. There's a promise of life full of adventure. As long as we give both talents and treasure, the workers are few, the harvest is plenty, with so many lives running on empty. Scores of people trying to cope, they've come to the end of their proverbial rope. Young eyes are wandering, looking for direction. Make sure we point them to his resurrection. The clock's ticking, we're on our dime. Hey church, rise up! It's our time.